Welcome to the Chapel of the Cross podcast. My name is Elizabeth Marie Melshona, and I serve as rector of the parish. In today's episode, I'll be sitting down with our music director and organist, Dr. Joseph Cosby, to discuss two upcoming trips to England that Joe will be taking. In the first, he'll be named as a fellow of the Royal School of Church Music. And in the second, next year, when our choir will travel to Ely Cathedral to participate in a residency there. It is an exciting time for our music program here at the Chapel of the Cross, and there's a lot to discuss. So, Joe, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. So by the time this is released, you will actually be in England, and you'll be preparing to be named as a fellow of the Royal School of Church Music at Chester Cathedral. This happens on October 14th. This is the highest award globally for church musicians. That's amazing. <laughs> You're amazing. So tell us tell us more about it. Uh, tell us more about the Royal School of Church Music, your engagement with it. Sure. So the Royal School of Church Music is a global entity that's based in the UK but has satellite um, places all over the all over the world, and so I was president of the Royal School of Church Music in America, and served on that board for six years um, during COVID. And part of my job during COVID, we had to relocate our offices from New Jersey to Durham because the housing is now at um, Duke, it's in Duke Chapel. So part of the organization's mission is to train people in church music to learn more about liturgy, about music reading, about the history of why we do what we do. And it was a real privilege to get to help lead that organization for for six years. And we here at the parish are affiliated with the RSCM, the, the abbreviation of that. And all of our kids participate in the Voice for Life training curriculum. I know you've seen kids on Sundays wear their medals. I think your son had a red, a yes. red ribbon and a medal. And so that means that they have completed the curriculum for different colors throughout their books. And our mentors here at the parish, volunteers from the parish, help teach these kids every week. It's really, I mean, it's it's a tremendous thing to see on Tuesday afternoon and evenings here, the kids who are participating in that course through program, the RSCM Voices for Life music program. Mm -hmm. And they start out with their, is it white books? Their white book and then and light, light blue, blue dark blue, blue red. red. Yeah. But seeing, I can hear up from my office, a metronome that is being used by our volunteers in teaching. But there are dozens and dozens of kids who are undertaking this process of learning and this process of enculturation, I can tell it's had a, a, a profound impact on some of the youngest in our parish as I've watched them grow up, mm -hmm. how they handle themselves, how they see themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't, it's not just about music. It teaches them yeah. how to be really good human beings. And one of the questions that light blue asks at the end of the book is why do you sing? Why are you a member of the choir? How can I be a better member of my choir? Mm -hmm. How do I contribute to the life of my church? Mm -hmm. And help and help people with my singing mm -hmm. connect to God. Yes. I mean, not only are they connecting to God, but they're bolstering all of us as we seek to do the same. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, so during your tenure as RSCM in America chair, what were some of the challenges that you encountered? Goodness. Well, anytime people are involved, you know, it's always about relationships. And so I think one of the things I worked really hard at doing was bringing people into relationship that maybe had not been in relationship before, mm-hmm. um, building bridges across different denominational lines. Yes. It is not just for Episcopalians, this program. It is for all Christian churches. Sure. It is a, it is a global organization. It's global. Yeah. And so, you know, I grew up in the Methodist church and so I have, you know, a a deep connection to the hymnody in the Methodist church and the way that my youth choirs worked and all that. So I you know, would seek out places that I had connections with in Methodist churches, Presbyterian churches, and encourage them to join this organization because it would benefit them too. It's not just people who are part of the Anglican communion, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. And part, what are, your, your citation from RSCM speaks to leading the board through the challenges of COVID. Yes. So one of the biggest things RSCM America does are summer training courses where kids come from all over the country to, but at one point we had nine of them. I don't think there are that many now, but these kids would travel. It's like a summer camp for a week where they go and sing with a famous clinician and do even song every day and that kind of thing. But, you know, it's built off of being together Mm -hmm. and we couldn't do that. Mm -hmm. And so we offered all of the managers from these courses met with me and some other folks on a weekly basis on zoom to plan a virtual course, which had never been done. And in many ways, you know, it was frustrating, but also brought about relationships and connections with people who would never have a reason to be in the same room with each other, virtual or in person. And we were able to record, you know, some hymns and other things at Duke Chapel standing, you know, 15 and a half feet apart or whatever it was at the time and to offer that. And so I think a lot of really wonderful, joyful things came out of that. Our choir here was invited to do part of a virtual course for a Christmas carol concert where we recorded a verse of, oh, come all you faithful, that that was then stitched with a choir from Nigeria and somewhere else. And at the time, you know, Prince Charles, you know, read one of the lessons and then we were on the Zoom screen with him at the same time. It's just, how do we meet these people and how how does this come together? But, you know, COVID facilitated that in the best of ways. Yeah, in a remarkable, unexpected horrible way in some ways yes. and also in the best in the best of ways of music still continuing to bring folks together absolutely globally so what does it mean to have the RSCM offices located just down the road at Duke University now and how did you facilitate that happening <laughs> well duke is a wonderful place for learning and for you know training people they have a divinity school there Lots of exposure to different things coming from all over the place. And it seemed like a good hub to place a church music facility, Mm -hmm. as it were. There's only one staff person, you know, paid staff person for RSCM America, and her office is at Duke. And from there, you can call in, you can order your materials. It's just nice to have, you know, a warm body on the other side of the telephone when you call and have questions. Mm -hmm. And Duke was willing to take on this partnership. They're always looking to branch out and to learn more from other traditions. And having the global connection that RSCM affords was very appealing 
to the Duke Chapel mm -hmm. clergy mm -hmm. and staff. Mm -hmm. And so it worked out really well to do that. We had been for many years at Princeton University up there with at Westminster Choir College, which is actually not part of the university of Princeton, but is in the same town. And they had been through many transitions and you know, they used to have a big church music program there. And so it made sense to be there at that time. And then that program transitioned and Duke is offering more things through their divinity school and church music. So mm -hmm. a natural progression of events. And I was lucky that I was in the right place at the right time and was able to connect the right people who actually made those decisions. Well, that's, you know, so much of organizations evolve and shift and change. And how are we open to mm -hmm. opportunity and to possibility and also to letting things, you know, lie fallow in the seasons when they do and flourish? Sure. Everything do. runs its course. Yeah. And I think it's being aware of that and knowing when it's time to try something different. So we had the opportunity to host two really wonderful folks here from England and had an even song in which our choir participated. Tell us more about that. That visit. So that was in May of 2022, I think it was. The global head, the director of the Royal School of Church Music, Hugh Morris, came to North Carolina to see Duke and to see the offices. And he brought with him the composer, Simon Lowell. And our junior choir here has sung many of Simon's pieces for years. And so to have those two guys come here and just see what parish ministry and music looks like on the ground in America was very eye-opening for them. Mm -hmm. They don't always have the opportunity to, to do that and to come into just a regular parish. If they come to America, they often will end up in a big cathedral in New York City or something. And so to come to a college town and see all the bustle and hustle around here was was inspiring to them and inspiring for me to see them, you know, engage with our singers and our we did a joint even song for Ascension Day. Yes. At Duke and to to bring people together who had prepared separately and then come together at the end to offer that was was extraordinary. And, I, and they were, as I recall speaking with them afterwards, just so moved mm -hmm. uh, in part by your leadership. You know, they mm -hmm. they spoke to you being not only an incredibly fine musician, but a leader and a pastor, which I think it is that braiding together of those traits that serves our our people so well. Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's always about people. It and is. the relationships with it people. Is. And I, I have a passion for that. And it's it's fun to connect people yeah. from all over the world. Yeah. So you will have this connection in England in October. And then in July, we'll be heading back for a residency at Ely Cathedral for a week in July. And this choir residency, we've been preparing for this for at least five years. Many, many years. Yes. I think it was in 2020 we started talking about it. And then in 2021, we were invited by Ely Cathedral to submit an audition tape of our choir singing to apply to go and, and be in residence, which they approved. And then um, we were just not able to go for, for a variety of global reasons. And now the time has come where we do get to go. And so singers and our choirs from grades three all the way through adulthood will be in residence at Ely Cathedral, which is just outside of Cambridge, not too far from London. And we will be the Ely Cathedral Choir for that week. We get to learn and live in community, sing daily, even song, participate in Eucharist in that community, um, break bread together, live in a different place together. Um, I've done three or four of these residencies in other places where I've worked, and we 
always come back from them changed. And it changes the parish, which is what's so exciting for us to bring home to everyone here what we learn to make our worship even more extraordinary in this place. Mm-hmm. And so is that is that the regular rhythm of worship in those cathedrals? It is. So choristers, you know, adults and children sing at least six days a week. They usually get one day off. And I had the privilege of living in a community like this when I was the organ scholar at Durham Cathedral in the original Durham. And <laughs> and the kids would come every morning at 8 a.m. for a rehearsal and then go to school. They were boarders. They lived in the school there. And we would sing Evensong every day at 5.15. And you were, you were the, the first and the only American organ scholar. Of Durham Cathedral. Of Durham Cathedral, of Durham yes. Cathedral yes. 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 That was a long time ago, but a really wonderful experience that came about through St. Mary's and Blowing Rock, um, my college Episcopal church, and how people knew each other and yeah, relationships. Relationships. <laughs> relationships. Relationships with one another, relationships with God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And in the preparation for going to Ely, what does music selection look like? When do you start working on the rep? How does all that work? Do they tell you? Sure. So they they give some basic guidelines of the things that we need to sing. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Magnificat and the Nook Diminis. We have to have the canticles, the set of responses for the whole week. The biggest challenge for us is actually singing the daily psalms as are laid out in our Book of Common Prayer, which is, you know, we have the 79 book. They still follow the 1662. Yes. But it's the same appointment of, of daily psalms. And so, you know, learning you know, 10 to 15 minutes worth of psalms every day, all those words, all those stories, um, we've already started on it here. We've mm-hmm. divided up into teams and we have different people making presentations about the texts and what they mean or what you think they might mean, just to add some imagination to all of that. Um, some of the rep we already know mm-hmm. because we sing in this tradition here as mm-hmm. well. And then we're having to learn new things to, te- to take with us. But um, we are hard at work and you will get to hear a lot of these things in our services throughout this year, upcoming on October 29th for our even song. All of the music sung that day are, are will be things that we take to Ely in preparation. And so I think I think I can imagine in, in many of our additional alternative service opportunities this year, they or upcoming, they may be even songs to help us prepare for that yes. encounter and experience. We want to be prepared when we get there. So and what's the the level of skill or training that our our youngest choristers will have had to be able to go and offer and lead in such a context. So this is where it really comes full circle that our voice for life training that we do through the RSCM will really be used. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, learning how to read music so mm-hmm. you can learn things quickly because they have a lot of things to learn quickly. Mm-hmm. And these kids will you know, learn hundreds of words in the Psalms, which for some, you know, at a third grade reading level is challenging. Yes. And it, I think I sort of joke, it's like an SAT test. <laughs> They're learning words that they would never know at, in a third grade level. An expansive vocabulary. That's for, a better way to say <laughs> Of that. liturgical yes. words, uh, church exactly. words. Exactly. So, you know, this is what kids, boys and girls do in England. Mm-hmm. They learn to sing at a professional level as a kid. Mm-hmm. And what that does for them throughout their life, they learn leadership skills. They learn intergenerational relational skills. Mm-hmm. 
at, you know, 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And then they carry that with them for the rest of their lives. And then hopefully, you know, when they become adults, then they will join a choir and sing. We have a tenor in the choir here who grew up in England singing in his school choir and then didn't sing through most of his adulthood and now is singing again. Yeah. So to watch that is really extraordinary. Well, and it's, I've noticed in my own family, having a child ask, could he go to his friend Emily's house? And I wanted to know more about who this friend Emily was. And it was a, a parishioner, some, you know, 60 decades older than he was, but they had genuine relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing. So all of our chorister work happens. You can do it with a piano. You can do it with an organ. But I can imagine some people listening are wondering, what is happening with our Cassavant Frere project in this season? Are there any updates? I heard from Cassavant actually first part of this week. They are building the console, which is like the control center, mission control. Mission control. Mission control for the organ where the keyboards and the pedal boards and the stops live. Um, they had been here a few weeks ago to match wood samples with the stain from our historic wood from 1925 in the church. And so they're building that console. Most of the pipe work has been built. Mm -hmm. They're now building the chest where the pipes will sit and where the wind will flow through. They're working on that. They've been working with structural and mechanical engineers on weight distribution so that everything is sound and will last for hundreds of years and not fall. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Actually, one of our committee members is going to Canada this week to visit the factory and you know, see what they've got going there in person. We've had some other people go earlier in the summer, which I think is where we got some of the pictures we shared in a yes. Friday email a couple months ago. So very exciting and moving quickly. That's exciting. And what about the physical structure here? So we are preparing to begin work. We're a bit delayed as, as things are around the world. It seems like, you know, contractors and subcontractors and all all of that stuff. Um, But we are poised and ready to move here. We have a wonderful group of dedicated volunteers managing everything very closely. And we are ready when they are. So I think we're waiting on the town of Chapel Hill to green light our proposal and to permit us. And then we'll start. It's really exciting. And I mean, it it would not be happening without our volunteers. No, totally volunteer driven. Totally. It, it is yeah. it is remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so I, I can imagine that the parish will very, very swiftly, once we get the green light, construction will begin. And that will be an adventure that will work on on telling the story of of what's happening and what you're seeing, where and when and why. Uh, one of the updates folks will be seeing is the nursery moving to the first floor, the the main floor of the parish so that the nursery will be more accessible Mm -hmm. to the church, to the chapel, once the organ is installed. So lots of exciting things on the horizon. May you have safe travels. Thank you. May you have uneventful travels in the best possible way. And know how grateful we are for your ministry and your leadership. And it is, we know in what we get to delight here, I am so pleased that you're being recognized on a global scale. Thank you. Thank you. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at 
thechapeloftheecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media, on Instagram at The Chapel of the Cross, and on Facebook and Twitter at C-O-T-C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the Word to serve in the world.